0: All right, let's open with prayer, and then we'll get into the word. Lord God, we thank you for the great love that you've been pouring out upon this world. Lord, we can see it in the Precious ministry. We know it in our own hearts. Now, Lord, would you open up the scriptures before us. Lord, have mercy on this sermon, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to preach to you from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 5. The passage reads as follows. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was a I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And so this is the scripture that I'll be preaching from today. But I want to start by letting you know that there's a a prayer that a person supposedly heard somebody else praying one day. It goes like this: Dear God. So far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy, nasty, or selfish. And I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And and from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. Amen. (laughs) Okay, I'm hearing amens on that one. So when we go into Psalm 51, we're looking at the beginning of Psalm 51. King David wrote it after he had sinned. Many of you know the the passage. If you go back into the Old Testament, you study what happened with Bathsheba. And and not just one sin, more like half the Ten Commandments. He was busy in the wrong ways. So I'm going to start with verse 2 where it says, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. And I want to give you the definition of sin, or a definition, because in Hebrew, there are a number of words for sin. But here it is, the word chet, meaning to miss the mark. The Greek actually is a lot like it. It's hamartia, carries the same meaning, to miss the mark, and then to offend God. In other words, like you're shooting arrows at a bullseye and you just can't hit it. You can hit all around the wall, but you can't nail the bullseye. That's this idea. So when David says, wash me from my guilt, purify me from my sin, it's this, 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 I, I can't hit the mark where I've missed. So let me give you a working definition of sin, though, just for your everyday use. It is disobedience to God. Either doing something that God tells us not to do, Some of you have heard all those kind of like sayings, like which part of thou shalt not, do you not understand? Or when God tells you to do something, you don't do it. An example would be, many of you know the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. You know, many times we'll say, oh yeah, I'm all for the Great Commission. I'm all for it. But have you done it? Or do you come up with excuses not to do it? Well, God, you know, I'm not an evangelist, so, I mean, uh, that's what other people do, and, and I don't really know how. Well, if you don't know how, sign up for Kevin Coyle's class. There's been other classes that, through the educational program, yes, we're making it available, and even in, for us as Presbyterians, if you read the Book of Order, which is the guidebook, it's our How We Do Things in the EPC, if you look under the session and look at the duties of the session, One of those duties is to initiate evangelism as the church, first business of the church. That is A, number one, what we do in the EPC. We are an evangelical missional denomination. And so our goal is to see, can we lead people to Christ? You know what? I'm not going to shove you out the door. I've told you before, I won't get into it, how I learned evangelism at the Filipino church. They were wonderful. Find someone who knows how and do it. But again... Don't give excuses. I mean, what happens is we tend to think we're doing pretty good, especially when it just comes to sin. We think we're doing pretty good because we write off our sin as just little sins that don't really hurt anybody. And then we rationalize them as necessary, right? Every once in a while, we have, there's sins in our life, We go, well, but I, had, I have to do it that way. You know, white lies usually fall in that category. Well, you know, you don't really want to tell the truth. You know, If you can't tell the truth, don't talk. What did Thumper's dad tell him? Come on, Bambi. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. This is not the Thumper sermon, don't worry. But it's, it's kind of like Lincoln's story of the sergeant. I don't know how many, how many of you, you know I like Lincoln's stories, right? Things that he said, things he, he talked about. And he was talking to some people and he told the story of a, a colonel over a regiment, Civil War, who told the regiment, he said, in this regiment, I want it very clear. In this regiment, there will be no cussing and foul language. And if there is cussing or foul language, I am the only one that can do it. <laughs> Does everybody understand the rules? Which they, you know, the regiment said, yes, sir. Well, they're headed to battle, and as they're going in the, the wagon train, some horses messed up, and somebody overheard a sergeant use some foul language and cuss. And so word got to the colonel, and the colonel got back to, where, to the wagon train. Excuse me. Did I hear that somebody cussed? And the sergeant said, sir, that would be me. He goes, did I not expressly say there would be no cussing or foul language in this, in this regiment? Yes, sir, you did. And I said that if, if there had to be some, it would be me. I would be the one that would use it, right? Yes, sir, that's what you said. So I'm hearing, sergeant, that you cussed. He said, yes, sir, I did. Can I ask why? Well, sir, something fouled up with the horses, and cussing was called for, and you weren't here to do it. <laughs> okay. The thing is this. It's not a good excuse. It is funny, though. So let's get real and see things from God's view. How many of you love the book of James? Oh, lots of hands. Because you're going to love this verse. James chapter 2, verse 10. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. How many of you don't love the book of James anymore? (laughs) If you don't like James, just read Martin Luther. He had his own words for it. But did you hear what God said through James, the apostle James? Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in just one point is guilty of breaking all of the law. I mean, come on. We... How many, of you are, how many of you know all the law? I mean, you probably can list the Ten Commandments, right? But think about it. For the Orthodox Jews, there was 613 laws in the law. 613 commandments. You break any one of those. I mean, shoot, how many of those could somebody break because they don't even know what they are? I and mean, one of the things I've been confessing for the Lord is, Lord, how many, how many times do I sin against you and I didn't even know it? Because I'm part of this culture. And I, like I've confessed you before, there is a deep material. That, I was raised in Silicon Valley. Why do people move to Silicon Valley? To make money. That whole area is about money. I can tell you when you grow up in that culture, materialism is deep inside the heart. We'll talk about cultural sin some, maybe next week or the week after that with Isaiah showing up in chapter 6 before the the living God. But let's get back to David. In verse 4, David goes on, Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Where's David going with this? Now you might go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean, David, you're thinking that when you sin, you only sin against God. That's not actually where I believe he's headed. What he's trying to tell you is that every time we sin, it is a sin against God. You may think, oh, I just told a white lie to that person. But God says, no, no, now you have sinned against me again. And we, have, we offend him. We offend his heart, and there must be payment. David goes on to say that God's judgments are right. As Paul wrote, Romans 3, verses 9 through 12. I'll try and get those out clearly for those of you keeping notes. Romans 3, verses 9 through 12. Paul wrote, quoting from Psalm 53, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside, they have t- together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. That is a tough passage. And many recognize that this age, because Jesus broke it down to what? Talking about the future. He talked about this age and the age to come. And many recognize we live in this present evil age. This age when, like Jesus says, if you, you know what? If the world hates you, it's, they don't hate you. They hate me. That's why they hate you. The world hates Jesus Christ. The world systems hate Jesus. The world religion hate Jesus. So why is this the case? Why? Why is he saying that there is none who seeks after God? This is the Apostle Paul writing again, based on Psalm 53, especially the first few verses. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They've all become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Why, how, why is this the case? Why this struggle with, with righteousness? David answers it in verse 5. He says, For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me how can David say that he was born a sinner from the moment his mother conceived him? Where did this sin come from? Romans chapter 5, verse 12. The verse says in Romans 5, 12, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Okay, what happened was is we get into something called the original sin or the doctrine of original sin. When Adam blew it, that sin entered the whole human race. It was, what, theologically, if you take systematic theology, it's called this, his sin was imputed to you. It is in the system. It's actually in your system. It's in you as a person. See, God had told Adam not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan, in the form of the servant, serpent, sorry, had deceived Eve. And by the way, when he's doing this, Adam is there. And the twist comes in Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will, sh- you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember, Eve would say, well, we've been told if we eat of it, we'll die. Well, death entered the world with Eve and Adam, and particularly Adam. You see, part of the deal is, yeah, Eve was deceived, but God had spoken what was to happen to Adam. He told Adam, you are not to touch this. We know that from the Scriptures, whether God ever had a conversation with Eve. But he directly told Adam you're not to. So when Eve is being deceived, Adam's right there. Because she turns to him and says, you want some? And being a good husband, he said, sure. He fell for the sin. But you see, what Satan was doing with those two is just like what Isaiah quotes of him saying in Isaiah... 14 verses 13 and 14, when God laments Lucifer, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. Listen to this. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That was Lucifer's sin. I will be like the Most High. In other words, I want his throne. And remember what he said to Eve? For God knows in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's his sin. It's his sin of pride and of selfish ambition that he then passed on. Severe lack of humility. But you know, there's there's been some in church history who have denied original sin. There's a guy named Pelagius in 354 through 418 that taught there was no original sin and that people do not have a sin nature. He believed that people are innately good and only some choose to sin and that sin is a free choice, but not inevitable due to a sin nature. And the church declared him a heretic, denying original sin, denying what happened when when Adam sinned against the living God. And then, like I read to you, sin entered the world through Adam. But why declare him a heretic? Ephesians 2.3. All of us used to live that way, as Paul writes to believers, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Again, Plagius would have said that you don't have a sinful nature. That, hey, you're just, you just have free choice and you're a good person and, you know, should you choose to sin, it's a, it could be a problem, right? I led I a Bible study in, in Alabama. There was a guy in that Bible study. You know what he told the rest of the Bible study? He said, You know what? I gave my life to Jesus. I don't sin anymore. Right? That's how the whole Bible study responded. We're like, really? You just don't Can I just touch you? I mean, (laughs) because... So what I'm getting at, I'm going to take you to really quickly, is total depravity. Some of you that weren't raised Presbyterians or Reformed faith right now are probably going, oh my goodness. But total depravity, or what is also called radical corruption. Total depravity does not say that we're all evil. That's not the point of where these scriptures are going. It, the definition of total depravity, which it comes from Tulip, you know, it, it's the Dutch. They came up with this thing, and it's, it's fabulous if you actually go back and study it. But what, they're, what total depravity says is that every part of our being has been corrupted by sin. doesn't mean taken over. It just means corrupted by. i have to tell you... Back when I was helping examine pastors on the floor of presbytery, we had one who was up for ordination or transferring into the EPC. And we asked him the question, do you believe in total depravity? You wanna know what his answer was on the floor? Believe in it, I'm living proof every single day. (laughs) Reminds me of of Diana's brother, Darrell. I I think the issue was, his daughter now is a grown woman, but at one time when she was just this four year old little girl. We were talking about this, about sin, and about total depravity, and Daryl told us the story that he looked at his daughter at one point and said, hey, you may not have a cookie right now. Don't touch the cookies. And then he said a little later, he's watching, and his daughter went and took one of the cookies to eat it. And he went over to her and he said, excuse me, did you take a cookie? And he said this beautiful little face and these wonderful little eyes looked right up in his face. And he said, she lied to me. She said, no just that beautiful little girl. I'm looking at this thing that I think is just so precious and just boom. She lies right into my face. I watched her do it. The answer was, sure. She was born with a sinful nature, a sin nature. That's why every empire and every type of government fails. It has, it's going to have problems with corruption. Do you get surprised when you read in the newspaper that the government's having problems with corruption or somebody's having to step down as a center because of problems of corruption? shouldn't shock you if you hold a reform theology and go, yep, it's about time. It's coming through. Uh, you know, being a history major, Greco-Roman history, I can tell you, governments come and they go. They grow and then there's failure and there's corruption and the thing becomes decrepit. That's why we don't have unfettered capitalism around here in this country. We believe in laws that govern our capitalism. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to have lots of Ponzi schemes and, you know, Jeff Bezos will own everything. He'll just corner the market and the next thing you know, you're having to buy milk for 30 bucks. I mean, when I was in Iceland, I was shocked, you know, you go into the Costco, did you know there's a Costco in Iceland? Yeah, I went to the Costco in Iceland. They serve gelato. I'm feeling really ripped off. But. Their TVs, just because they're, they're economic problems, they're t- their flat-screen TV costs 325,000 kronas. It's just like out of control. But if somebody corners the market, you know that then they're the only ones who can actually sell it to you. They're going to charge you through the roof. And so we don't like, we have you know, like antitrust laws. We have all those kind of laws. Why do we put them in place? Because of those problems. Now, generally in the newspaper, they won't say it's because of total depravity. But us as believers go, there's another example of total depravity, and we're going to have to establish another law. Someone is going to give in to their sinful nature. On a personal level, I've heard people say things after a funeral like, Mildred was such a good person. She's definitely in heaven. And usually then I don't crash the party. And I'm using my grandma's name, okay? So she'll have issues with me when I arrive in heaven. But, now, Mildred may be wonderful to you. My grandma was wonderful to me. But even Mildred had a problem. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's that that sin. Remember the definitions I gave you where it's missing the mark? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Glory of God's right here. They can't hit it. They keep sinning. So what do we do? Do we just give in and live a sinful life? No, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22. 1 Corinthians 15 21 through 22, so you see, Paul writes, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. You have life in Jesus and freedom from our sins. And how does that begin? Romans ten nine. If you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's the most basic, wonderful verse on the planet. I love that verse. So an application, think back to David's request in verse 2. Purify me from my sin. Can God purify us? Can we live a new life? Titus chapter 2. Verses 11-14, through 14. Titus 2, 11, 14 Paul writes, By the Spirit of God, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Brothers and sisters, uh, Jack Deere was teaching one time, and I I love the comment he made. He said, here's one of the things, in other words, to, to move away from sin, focus on Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him, worship him, sing to him, Read about him, just keep yourself focused on him. And he said, You'll find, and I have found this true, that when you're focusing on him, sin begins to fall away. But when your attention gets off of him and heads the opposite direction, or you just aren't quite focusing on him anymore, maybe you're feeling, I don't know, I got things to focus on, sin begins to creep in. And we'll get into the scriptures like Paul says watch out for the sin that so easily entangles. Brothers and sisters, we're not impervious to sin we do believe in total depravity or radical corruption. In other words, every part of our being has been corrupted. Okay? Again, it doesn't mean I'm evil all over. That's not the point. Even probably the worst person on the planet can be nice to someone or something. Okay? Everyone is capable of doing something good, but not good that earns them anything with God. I think probably the worst prisoner in the worst prison in the US can be kind to a dog or to a person. So again, when I say total depravity, you don't think, oh, there he goes. Believe me, I've had all heck break loose. I almost went with the other word. Just teaching on this topic. Really, how dare you bring this up? It's like, well, if we don't understand it, then we we miss things about how our world works. And I think the scriptures are pretty clear that through one person named Adam, which I wonder, when we get to heaven, do Adam and Eve sit by themselves in the cafeteria? (laughs) I'm not sitting with them. Uh Uh-uh. And whatever they offer you, don't eat it. So... (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. No. So death came through one named Adam. And so sin entered into our lives and death entered into the world. But Life comes from Jesus Christ. And because you've given your life to him, you can put to death this old way. Are we going to struggle? Yes, and we'll, we'll talk about that because Paul even mentions that struggle we have, the wrestling match we have with sin sometimes. And I want you to be able to defeat sin. I want to be able to defeat it. I, I am living testimony of total depravity, just like that pastor that was coming in the presbytery. But Jesus is greater. Work this one over. Jesus said to his disciples, you are clean. My word has made you clean. Think about that one. I'll give you the reference soon in a sermon. Let me pray for you, Lord God. Lord, we have a world, and you've taught us this, we have a world that is trapped and caught and dead in sin. They aren't just spiritually dead because they're spiritually dead. They're spiritually dead because of sin. And you, Lord Jesus Christ, died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we have some way for them to be removed from us. Some way for them not to be counted anymore, but, but you set us free. Lord God, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. If anyone is just feeling trapped, and they love you, but they're still feeling trapped, and they feel like they just keep repeating back into different areas of sin, whatever it is, no judgment here, Lord God, will you, will you speak your cleansing word upon their heart and their mind right now? Will you just speak it? Just know this. The word of the Lord to you, His heart throughout Scripture is that He loves you. And He gives you life. And He gives you freedom. Freedom to walk with Him. Freedom for eternal life. He's given you eternal life. Brothers and sisters, we live in a community that is, that is drowning in sin. pray that God will turn this around. And then w- when you say, God, turn it around. People need to hear your voice. People need to know who you are. And you start saying, hey, I think the harvest might be right. Then he says, pray for, pray for me to send workers in the harvest. You know what happens when he does that? God says, hey, you look like a great worker in the harvest. Let's go. And then God gives you assignments like he, like he gave to, to Edith, you know? Yeah, no, I, I give you a middle seat open, but I've got something for you to do. You're still on assignment. Lord God, will you give us divine appointments with people in in Virginia Beach, in the Chesapeake, the whole Hamptons Road area? Will you give us divine appointments to talk with people and to tell them about you? Lord God, we want to keep the Great Commission. Will you teach us how? Let it be so, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.